0: Here are the words from Exodus, chapter 20. Then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above, or that is on the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. And then moving to verse 7. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses His name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work. And then jumping to verse 12. Honor your father and your mother so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or male or female slave or ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. When all the people witnessed the thunder and lightning, the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, they were afraid and trembled and stood at a distance and said to Moses, You speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid, for God has come only to test you and to put the fear of him upon you so that you do not sin. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to be to God. These people are on a journey with God. They are still learning who this God is and what this God expects and what it means to be in covenant relationship with God and the implications for that in terms of how they live together or form the community of God's people being faithful in their response Moses is the leader here and yet they struggle to follow Moses and to continue to listen to him He struggles with how they respond clearly they are struggling with some of the things God is calling them to do But we can see through their struggle that all of us have similar struggles in our life where we want to follow God People want to know God and follow God But we are notoriously bad at keeping our commitments. We commit, and then we get distracted. We start, and then we fall back. We strive for a while, and then we waver. We say this is our number one priority, and then we find later that we're focused on so many other things besides being a follower of God and doing what God has told us makes for abundant life. It's a struggle I think all of us deal with but maybe particularly those of us who are well-established in life that have our routines have been doing the way we're doing life the same way for a long time. Sometimes when we hear what God is saying or hear a call from God, it can be disturbing. It can stir up the things we're used to. It can cause us to question whether or not we are walking in the way that leads to life and whether or not We need to do something else. It can be so difficult to discern what God wants us to do when habits are ingrained and the way we have always done things is like this. And yet we begin to hear what could be a call from God to walk in a new way, to understand what God is calling for us to do in a new way. Well, certainly our story today. Have we been following these people who have been trying to follow Moses and become followers of God, continue to struggle until God is ready to give them these new rules. God gives the people some new rules. We know them as the Ten Commandments. Often they're called the Ten Words. So many of us think of them as just ten rules who are going to re- restrict us and make life harder. But i tell you that's not what this is about these rules are given to be a help to the people when they're not sure what to do or how best to have relationships with each other with god they're given to be a blessing to people it made me think of The Reverend Dr. John Wesley, who's the founder of the Methodist movement, and how people began to come to him, respond to his preaching and teaching. He's giving them spiritual counsel, and before long, the numbers grow in such a way, and there's so many people that he cannot meet with all of them. He begins to think he needs to write down some of his guidance. So he and his brother Charles, who was a brilliant musician, and helped lead the early Methodist movement, got together and wrote a document in 1743. They called it the Nature, Design, and General Rules for the United Societies. These rules were written, Wesley says, to help people live out their salvation or work out their salvation. That is, how to live together as people of faith. He writes this, that wherever salvation is really fixed in the soul it will be shown by its fruits it is therefore expected of all who continue in these methodist societies that they should continue to evidence their desire for salvation first by doing no harm by avoiding evil of every kind especially that which is most generally practiced, and then they give specific examples about swearing and drinking and fighting unfair business practices and slave holding then they say secondly by doing good by being in every kind merciful as they have power as they have opportunity doing good of every possible sort and as far as possible to all people they go on to remind anyone who will listen and wants to continue in one of these Methodist small groups that they should continually evidence their desire to live out their salvation. Thirdly, by attending upon all the ordinances of God, then they list what they mean. It's not, Ordinance is not a word we use. We would use spiritual practices, but things like public worship of God, Bible study, Bible reading. Personal prayer time family prayer time public prayer time attending to the sacraments participating in Holy Communion What we can see from the early Methodists is this kind of structure and guidance that Wesley gave was a genius step in helping the Methodist movement continue to flourish. Even though there were other revival groups at the time, most of those died out. But because of Wesley's direction and his rules and his structure, Methodism continued to thrive and continues to thrive now hundreds of years later. Rules can help us in our journey to salvation to live out our salvation There's so much more to the Christian life than just coming to know Christ and professing that we want to be a follower more afterwards of God working in us to shape and form us and yet It is just the human condition that we struggle to be faithful in all the steps we take. So to have some commandments, to have some rules, gives us direction, gives us some structure, and helps us live out our faith. Now in these stories we're reading from Exodus, God is utilizing Moses to reveal these commandments or these words by which people can organize organize their lives and their community together. What Moses is trying to share with the people that he receives from God is that these rules are given so that they might flourish as a people, that they might thrive, that they might know life like they have never known it before. The first four tell us how we best continue in a vital relationship with God so they say make God your number one priority have no other gods before me make sure you're focused on the one true God and then don't have idols that is don't try to contain this God this is not a God you control God has initiated and created all this and we are ones who are responding But don't use this relationship with God against someone else. Don't use God's name or God's power or the power you've received to hurt another. And then the fourth one is remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. That is set aside a day to help you have time to remember the one true God and to keep that God as the priority. It's important to have a day of rest, a day of refreshment, and a day to remember who God is and who you are and what that relationship is all about and how that's ever so important. If you're going to experience all that God has in mind for you in terms of the goodness that you can have in this life. Well, that's the first four. The next six start with family. Honor your father and mother, but then they radiate out from their to include your neighbors as well. So, if you're going to be a good neighbor, don't steal. Don't lie about your neighbor. Don't have illicit relationships with your neighbors. Don't scheme to try to get what your neighbor has so you can have it. It's all about how do we live together if we understand who god is and have a relationship with god and know that this god loves us and leads and guides us how do we follow those second six of the ten help us see that in other words respect and honor god is what these commandments are telling us as well as respect and honor your neighbor More commonly today or modern parlance, we would just simply say, I've put this in your outline, love God, love your neighbor, love or want to do good with God and love and want to do good with your neighbor. It sounds like a great idea, doesn't it? Wouldn't you want to live in that neighborhood where no one's lying or stealing or cheating, where no one's trying to purposely hurt someone, where no one's gossiping or trying to scheme to put you down or to get your stuff? We all can just see it right off. That would be a great way to live. And yet we know in reality that people violate these 10 all of the time. Sometimes it happens with our literal neighbor, somebody that lives on our block or lives next door. Sometimes we're the perpetrators. But it also happens across our country to the most public people and the most powerful people among us. They violate these Ten Commandments. So these commandments aren't just for me or you, and they're not just for, oh, they're worse than I am, so maybe they better follow those. No, they're really for all people. We would all do well. No matter where we have been in our lives up to now, we would all prosper if we would follow these ten. It's easy to look at our neighbor and accuse them, but Jesus reminds us better to take the log out of our own eye when we're talking about judgment, than maybe after we have dealt with our own stuff, we can look for the speck in our neighbor's eye. Nevertheless, these 10 words, as ancient as they are, these 10 commandments, these rules, I think, are so very relevant to our own time and our own place in terms of how we live. But I want us to remember they're given as a blessing. These are words or commandments or rules to help us. They're not to limit our fun or our joy in life. No, I tell you, these are the words of life. These are words for fullness of joy and goodness this is the way to live this is the way to life and life abundant and life eternal if you read all through genesis and these stories in exodus as we've been doing over these last several weeks you can see these Ten Commandments as an extension of the covenant promises. When God first started this whole story, working with this family tree all the way back to Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Rebecca and Jacob and Rachel, where God has promised them he can show them the way to life. He can show them the way to live where they'll experience vitality and prosperity. He will give them a land. He will give them love. He will give them descendants. If they will be faithful in their response, if they'll stay connected in the relationship, God says, I can give all this to you. What I want us to think about is how God is the giver. You can hear it in verse 12, I think, in this passage we read today most clearly after the commandments about honoring God and respecting God, it turns to our interpersonal relationships. In verse 12, honor your father and your mother so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. These commandments are a gift to us from God. You've probably heard it said you can't outgive God. And that's right. God is the original and the best giver of all god is the creator of all all that you have and all that you have experienced god gives us life but so much more than that god gives us faith and direction god continuously loves us and blesses us god gives us fullness of life as christians we say through the revelation of jesus christ god has given us fullness of life and fullness of joy After we come to know Christ, the promise of the gospel is that we will have this sense of peace, this sense of wholeness as a gift of God that comes to us through our relationship with Christ. Our affirmation of faith is that God gives us everything we need for life abundant and life eternal, life eternal. God gives us these commandments as commandments for life so that we might live life to the fullest, that we might organize our personal lives and our lives together so that all might prosper. We prioritize God. We start there. We recognize who God is, and then we honor and respect God by the way we live our lives and by setting aside this day to worship, to be together, usually to be together this way in a dispersed time, but know that we're still spiritually connected to each other. And then we evidence our response by the way we treat others, by the way we organize our values and priorities in terms of our living together. Can you see how this ties to stewardship? If we are the recipients of God's blessings, some of which are tangible, come to us in tangible form, and we are part of God's people, then we are the ones called in our day and time to model the utilization of resources for good, to serve God and God's purposes in the world. That is to do good, to serve others, to share God's love as we have come to know it in Jesus Christ. The question is, will we follow God's guidance? Will we trust that god is giving us the way to life even when it comes to money and finances we say we believe god in terms of prayer or worship and other things but giving that's a characteristic of god as well that we have opportunity to grow into just as we strive to grow into the image and likeness of christ by opening ourselves to the power of god's holy spirit it is one of the ways We stay connected to God by becoming a giver like God. Jesus uses this beautiful, powerful, everyday common image that we have all seen of a vine growing and branches and leaves growing off the vine. And we have all seen how that can just overtake a fence row or a tree when a vine and a branch are really connected and growing well. But we've also seen what happens when you cut the branch off from the vine, how it withers and dies so very quickly. John, in his gospel, telling us about Christ, repeats this teaching that Jesus shares with his disciples when he was still on earth, using this idea that he is the vine and we are the branches. Usually, the text we read says abide in me as this part starts some different translations use remain in me for our purposes this year I'm using the translation stay connected so it reads like this stay connected to me as I stay connected to you just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it stays connected to the vine neither can you unless you stay connected to me i am the vine jesus says you are the branches do you know that vital connection with christ do you recognize that's where your vitality comes that's what we say as christians that everything changes when we're connected to christ And it shapes and forms our character and our actions and our values and our priorities. This vitality that comes through the vine into the branches. We are the branches. So often people affirm faith. But then when it gets to their money or their finances, they segregate that and set it apart. So often we hesitate. We're not sure God really understands about the money. Maybe this doesn't really apply to me. Maybe God doesn't understand my situation. There's just not enough. Remember, where we start is not with the budget, but with the one true God. We said God is the priority, and we let other things flow from that. So really, it's important to ask, whose money is it, mine or God's? Now, I understand during the pandemic, some have lost businesses and lost jobs. And if you have no income, I understand you don't have anything to give, perhaps. But for most of us, we have resources. We just have to make some decisions about priorities and whether or not we're willing to be used like Moses to share our revelation our experience the wisdom that god offers us through this story and through the power of the holy spirit are we willing to share and trust and believe what god is saying if god is the creator and we're the trustees or the stewards if we're the stewards if we're the branches then it really all belongs to god doesn't it actually that's where jesus starts in chapter 15 he starts that chapter and using this image and says i am the vine and my father is the vine grower or the gardener that is god owns it all god created it all we're the ones who need some help who need the vitality coming to us through christ the question is will we trust god will we believe And trust that what God is telling us through this revelation we've read today and through Christ, that all of this is really a blessing. If you struggle with that, listen to these last few verses I'm going to read you. I'm still in John 15. But right after, Jesus uses this vine and branch image. He goes on to say, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Stay connected in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will stay connected in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and stay connected in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Amen. And thanks be to God.